Okay, morning. Good to see you. Um, I'm definitely not going on uh, Facebook Live this morning, but I'm recording it because I, I want to say something, but I want to be free to say what I want to say, and I don't want to have any restrictions of stopping in one place because I am a mover, really. I like to move around. And um, there's been so much talk, oh man, everywhere and anywhere about is this the end times? Is this the time of revival or whatever? So I feel like, you know, you have to take sides, and I think this is wrong. This is wrong. You don't have to take sides. Is it the time of revival? Is it a time when the church will get run away and, you know, it'll all fall apart? I don't want to take sides. I want to have what the Bible says and do what the Bible says in these days because it's told us what to do if this starts to happen. It's told us what to do, and it's not what we're doing now. All right, I've said it now, so there you go. <laughs> but one of the things it says is in Hebrews 10, verse 25, it says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Oh, hallelujah, we can say it because we're here. We're here, we can say it, right? Don't forsake the assembly. But why am I using that scripture? Because it says this, don't forget your, the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhort one another even more as you see the day approaching. If this is the end times, get to church. That's what it's saying. It's saying that's... Well, okay, so I'm going to make a statement. Everybody has this statement. You don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Sorry, rubbish. I've said it now. Jesus said... When two or three to ga gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. I'm not saying he's not with you at home, but why did he say that? Why did he say, get together with someone else because I'll be there? Why is he going to be there? Because there's something of him that manifests when people are together as Christians. That doesn't happen when you're at home in your... And you're sat there, you're watching your YouTubes, you're listening to your music. It's lovely, it's nice, it's sweet. But there's something supposed to happen in his presence with his people that you can't get when you're there. Why do you think, I'm going to play a little clip in a minute of what's going on in that Asbury in, in, um, in America. And they've called it a revival and it's good to call it a revival. But what is it? It's happening when people are coming together. That's where it's happening. You get your revival in your house and you might, I don't know, have another cup of tea. I don't know what you do. But, but it, when he says, so you don't have to go to church to be a Christian, so why does he tell us? Why does he say, when you get together, I'll be there. You're missing it. You're missing him being there in that way. And then I want also to say this to you. God is putting something on the heart and the mouth of another Christian who's come to church this morning, putting on their heart an anointing, is putting on their heart a, a stirring of a gift of the Spirit. And the gift of the Spirit will be a word of prophecy or a word of encouragement or a word of knowledge that God is putting on the heart of another person for you and you're not here. So that's another reason to come because he is wanting to say something to you. And he has a chosen vessel to say it to you through. And you're not there. But let me put the top and the whole of this. He's giving you a word for us. He's giving you something for your brother and for your sister. And you're not here. And they need what God is putting on you. I'm going to need a drink this morning or two. 
That's finished. I'm done with that verse. Right. Luke 21, verse 28. What do we do if it's the last days? What do we do? Well, I can tell you what people are doing and all of that, and I'm not interested. The Bible says, when these things begin to come to pass, that's what we're after, isn't it? That's what we want, Lord. Let this happen. There'll be wars, rumors of wars, earthquakes in diverse places. It's terrible. It's awful. And you know, we should, what we should do is send out money. We should get out there. We should be digging. We should be helping in every way we can. And the Bible says, when you hear this start to happen, look up. Look up. Because your Redeemer's coming. Oh, and the world and Christians will turn to you and say, well, that's no use to anybody else, is it? I'm thinking to myself, if he comes, that's exactly what we need. That's exactly who we need. He's the Prince of Peace. When he comes, when he comes to reign, there will be no one on the earth who can stand against him. Every king, every ruler, every nation, every kingdom, not just the ones that we physically can see, but the unseen ones too. When he comes, they will bow before him. And the Holy Spirit will have such freedom in that time. And such peace will enter the hearts. And where, where are your eyes fixed? I'm looking for the signs. I'm looking for the seasons. I'm looking for the events of the world. I'm looking for this. I'm looking for that. And the Bible says, look up. If you get a slightest sense something's coming, look up, for your Redeemer is coming. Why is it used that phrase? I love that he uses that phrase right there. Because he's saying this. You were saved. You're being saved. And you will be saved. You don't understand that terminology, but that's what salvation is. It's not just a one-off thing. We're being changed day by day by day. That's still part of salvation. But when he comes, when he, the Redeemer, comes, we'll be delivered from this body fully. People have, you know, sometimes we experience things in our natural bodies that we can't understand. I remember many, many years ago having an illness. And I don't know what this illness was, but it was some kind of plague, I'm sure. Way, way before anything like coronavirus was ever around. I was in my bedroom. I was hallucinating. I, I was hot. It was just terrible. And the doctor had to come to my house. I've never had a doctor come to my house. It was like, the, call the midwife. I know and I wasn't sick, but it was like having a baby, you know, but it was like that kind of period. And I was going, God, what is happening? And he came in and he got his, this tablet. I'm not joking. It was as big as, well, bigger than a 50p piece. He says, take that, you'll be okay. I thought, take that? What? So I took it, and within two hours, two hours, I was okay. But in that time, I had an hallucination. And in that hallucination, I had a vision of something that was, that was going to happen. Or I thought, this is a weird picture. What is this about? And people were calling out to me to help. This is... Going back 20 years, 30 years, so don't think I'm talking about now. It's just something that happened many, many years ago. And I thought, God, what is going on? Within two weeks of that dream, 
of that vision, of that supernatural, whatever it was, that hallucination because of drugs and because of illness. What I saw in the dream came to pass. What I saw in the image came to pass. Because we have this natural body, but there's stuff going on we can't see with these natural eyes. But now and again, he'll let you step in and have a look and be aware of. And this is what I'm saying to you. Look, what are you looking at? Where are your eyes fixed? Fix your eyes. Look up, for your Redeemer draws nigh. But this is actually the scripture I really wanted to preach on this morning. So you've had three scriptures this morning to preach on. But this is, this is the proper one now. We kind of just, that was an introduction. Okay? So I want to put up Matthew 25. You know this story. This is an end time sermon, if ever there was an end time sermon. And this is, this is really what we should be focusing on. If this is the end times. This parable is what we should be focusing on. It says, the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. We know that's talking about the end times. The bridegroom is Christ. We are the bride. And he's coming back for his bride. Move on to the next verse, please. Nick, and we'll just go. Now, five of them were wise and five were foolish. Where have we heard that phrase before? Can anybody tell me another parable? Building your house on the rock or building your house on the sand? Let me just make a comment here on that story. The wise man built his house on the sand, on earthly things, on temporal things. That The foolish man, sorry, built his house on earthly things, temporal things. The wise man built on eternal things. What are you building? What are you focusing on? What is your energy invested in? Things that will pass away. Things that will be no more. Or are you investing your energy into the heavenly things, into eternal things? That you, what does the Bible say? Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Can't even get any down here. How do we know how to do that? We don't know how to get them here. There's a lot of that realm that we don't understand. But we're asked. So five of them were wise, five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and no oil with them. Follow the story. Next verse. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed... They slumbered and slept. Me and Nick often have this conversation. And I'm sure Christians have had this conversation for centuries. They thought Jesus was coming again as disciples 2,000 years ago. When I was a child, I was brought up believing he was coming next week. He would come in my... He would have... How many generations and generations and generations have said... Look out, because the Lord's coming soon. Are we going to be just another generation that have said it and have felt like we're part of it and we're going to die and never have really seen it because it wasn't yet? Who knows? Who knows when it is? So when we don't know what it is, what do we do? We just make our own ideas up then. 
We just do what we think we need to do in this time. We should live every day as if tomorrow is the day or today is the day and look up. But let me read on to this. They slumbered and they slept. At midnight, a cry was heard. Behold, the bridegroom is coming! Come on, you should like that bit. (laughs) It says in in Thessalonians, it It says, um, there'll be a trumpet sound and a shout. Woo! We all think he's going to come back and go, ooh, what happened? (laughs) There's rumors of him being found in, no, 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 no. Can I tell you what will really happen on that day? And I love this because this this is how I really see it. I think we are so physically, naturally minded that we forget sometimes how supernatural we are. Part of my job here, and I think our journey here, is to reconnect people with the spiritual person they are in Christ. Because that person sees the things that the natural man can't see. It says in Corinthians, it says, The natural mind cannot receive the things of the Spirit, for they are discerned by the Spirit. And we are spirit beings now. But what I think will happen is that day, we will go, be going about our jobs, doing our things. And none of the earth will hear it. But every born again Christian on the planet will go, what's that sound? And your neighbours will be going, what are you talking about? And we're going, the trumpet, can you hear it? And they're going, no. But something that's been born in you. The spirit that's been born in you raised your body up, raised your mind up, raised your senses up to that realm. And you may have not been in tune with it day after day after day, but none of you will escape that day. When the voice of God sounds, when the trumpet sounds, and time shall be no more, we're going to gather with him. At midnight there was a cry, Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. That's interesting. We've got to go and meet him. Next verse. Then all those virgins arose, trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. This looks really harsh next. But the wise answered and said, no. In fact, they didn't say no. That's not in the original Greek. They just said, there's not enough for us both. But you go and get some. You go and buy some. You go and get after it. You go and seek after it. You go and find some for yourself. I don't really want to read the rest of that story because that story has a really tragic end of it. Is that they go to buy, they go to try and get restored, they t- go to try and get refired, and it's too late. He's already come. The door's closed. What is this saying? What is this about the end times? What is the Bible saying actually about the end times? It's saying you have to be full and anointed by the Holy Spirit to enter these times. This is the time to not be looking around at what's happening necessarily in the world. I'm not saying that's not wrong to do. What I'm saying is, look up, be filled, because your Redeemer's drawing nigh. That's what you need to see you in this time, through this period. The Christian life is birthed by the Spirit. 
but it's to become a life of the Spirit. You know, it's very easy for, for you to think and for me to think, well, I do the same things all the time. You know, I just go to church, we just sing a few songs, we hear a sermon, and then we go home. And that's, that's, that's real. That's re- if that's what it is, if that's what it's become, then the Spirit is no po- longer part of your journey. You should be able to come to church and when the worship's on, be crying in the Spirit, be leaping and dancing in the Spirit. You know what? Even in your prisons, this is what the Bible shows us. On the day that Paul and Silas were in prison, they were dancing and singing. And the chains broke off. Oh, we're so focused on the chains and on the, 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 the bars that are closed. Woe is me, God. Where are you? There was no woe is me for them. They were rejoicing. And as they rejoiced, there was such a breakthrough. You're going to watch a clip with me in a minute of what's happened. What this latest of thousands of revivals that have happened. Just a small clip I'm going to show you, but I want you to see something as you watch it. I want you to see what is happening to their faces, what is happening to their bodies. I want you to see what is happening on their faces. And I want to ask yourself when you come, when you see God's face, when you come into His house, what is happening to your face? What is happening to your body? What is being stirred in you? It's like, oh, if we, I've watched different preachers in, the, in my lifetime, and I've probably been different preachers in my lifetime. But you go to Kenya, and you watch them out there, and when I'm in Kenya, this is how they preach. The Word of God is coming, and the power of God is here. And you're going to go really loud. And I realize why that is, because some of them have walked six hours to get to church. They're orphans, they're widows, they walk six hours to get to church. Then they have three hours of worship. No way, I'm not joking, in which they dance for three hours. You have six hours walking, three hours worship. The preacher comes, it's time to sleep. You're exhausted. So he shouts. And he stirs. And you see these same people whose bodies are ready to give up, whose bodies are ready to fall asleep. You see the Spirit in them, alive unto God. And this is what I'm saying to you. You've come in your bodies. You've come in your minds. You've come in your hearts. You've come with your baggage. You've come with what you're carrying. But you have the Spirit of God in you. Where is it? Don't let it be like these foolish virgins, who when it comes to it, I, where's the Spirit? I, I, where is it? Where's the anointing on me? I don't care if you cry, laugh, sleep, fall over, shake, makes no difference how it manif- manifests in you, but God, let it manifest in them. Don't let them be dead to your spirit. John 3, verse 6 says, That which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Something has been born in you of the Spirit of God that gave life and gives life to your mortal body, but it does more than that. It connects you to a heavenly 
dimension, a spiritual dimension. It anoints you with the power of the living God. Remember that book I read? Um, oh, man, what's it called? Um, so there's, so, there's something of God in the soul of man. There's something of God in the soul of man. Somebody remember it. The young Scottish man, 21 years old, when he dies. And before he dies, he writes a letter to a friend of his who's not a Christian. Because his friend has been asking him, what is it to be a Christian? Because he looks at the church, and he looks at Christians, and he sees just as much bickering, just as much gossip, just as much... Hatred just as much fear just in the, in the Christians as he does in the world. And he writes to him and says, what is it? If you're saying there's a God, then what is it? And this young man writes back, he says, it's something to do with the divine of God's nature being put into the soul of a man that transforms you from this realm to the next realm. That takes you above all of the things that, you know, it doesn't say it takes you out of all of your things. You may still have your conditions. You may still have your history and your past. But we've been connected to a future. To a life. The life of God in the soul of man. Can you imagine a statement by a young 21-year-old Scotsman who dies not long after this. He's saying that this is what makes you a Christian, is when you have the life of God in your soul. What makes you a Christian is the power, the anointing, the vessel being filled with the Spirit of the living God. Continually. Timothy, the book he says there, says, be being filled. It was never meant to be a one-off moment. It was meant to be a journey of more and more and more and more. And where are you at? Oh, less and less. Full up, can't take any more. Don't even know how to get a speck. The river that comes from the temple of God, it starts off as a really sort of like shallow and you can walk in it and it says it's up to your ankles. And then the, the angel moves him another thousand cubits and then it's up to his knees moves him another thousand cubits it's up to his waist takes him another thousand now he can't stand anymore he has to swim in it do you realize you may have been born again you may have experienced the spirit of God entering you but his invitation is get deeper get deeper get deeper till you can't stand on your feet anymore well I thought that was great I'm not sure how you saw that John 3, 34 to 36, if you can put that up for me. For he whom God has sent speaks the word of God. For God does not give the Spirit by measure. The Father loves the Son, has given all things into his hand. I think there's one more verse. 
He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. He who does not believe in the Son shall not see life. But back to that verse 34. He doesn't give the Spirit by measure. He doesn't, he's not stingy. When he pours out his Spirit, I was, I was brought up, yes, in a Pentecostal church. In a Pentecostal church where, as you can see when I preach, you need the anointing of God. You need to step out of the natural ability into the supernatural ability. Nick, when he preaches, I taught him well. Gets up here, knows his limits in the flesh. Knows his limits. And then God begins to speak through him. And he speaks things and I see hearts and minds going, wow, I never saw that before. Neither had he. Do you understand that's what preachers do? They by the Spirit, receive from the Spirit something to pass on to your spirit. Amen? It's not like, okay, are there any Man U supporters here today? So let me tell you a story about Man U. We're not doing that. We're not saying things to tickle the ears of people. We're not here to say, oh, I've, had, I've been asked about doing this program, that program, so that we can look better in the community. I've been asked, though, we can do this and do that, and we can, we can be seen and heard by the community. I'm here to say to you, unless the Spirit of God rises up in you, it's finished. There's nothing. But that's how I was brought up. Measure in that scripture means Limited portion. He hasn't given you a limited portion. So if I was to say to you, what you think you see on me, what you see, you think you see in my life, is the same portion that's in yours. I've learned to walk in it. I've learned to work with it. I've learned to live by it sometimes. Let's just be real. But there's nothing more in me that is not of a... He hasn't given the Spirit with limits. He hasn't. The limit for any of us is in our own thinking, our own mind. Zechariah 4, you know this scripture. Zechariah 4 verses 6 and 7. This is the word of the Lord, O Zerubbabel. This is the word of the Lord, Zerubbabel. Not by might, nor by, nor by intellect, nor by projects, nor by cleaning teams. Sorry, cleaning teams. <laughs> but by my spirit, says the Lord. Oh, long, you know, th this clip I'm about to show you isn't anything special, to be fair. This, what, what we're about to see is what's going on it has been going on over in America, but it's nothing special. I've walked into as many anointed moments of God, even in this very place here. But I've been all around the world and walked into some of the most incredible anointed places of God. And it's when people rise up in their spirit and seek after God.
not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Who are you, O great mountain? You know you can't do this. You can't say to the mountain, and the mountain is your worry, the mountain is your fears, the mountain is your illness, the mountain is your rebellion and rejection, your mountain is your religious spirit that you can't get out of. I don't mind throwing that one in there. Religious spirits, he should stand still when he preaches. You know, religious spirit, you know what I'm talking about? Don't shout when you're preaching, religious spirits, you know? You don't have to get excited when you're preaching, religious spirit, you know what I'm talking about? I'm talking to you. If you're watching on there, I'm talking to you, right? This is what you want. And the word said, thou shalt. And what does that mean? No, I don't want to do that. That's not me. If the Spirit stirs you to take the doors off, take the doors off. Huh? If the Spirit stirs you, to go places you aren't supposed to go, to see a woman at the well, and to say, give me something to drink. Jesus went wherever the Spirit led him. Don't like what the Bible says about the Spirit and Jesus. Don't like it. Could, Lord, miss that bit out. And the Spirit led him into the wilderness to be tempted for 40 days. Leave that bit out. He came back in the power of the Spirit. Yeah, bring that one on, bring that one on. But sometimes we can't enter trials without the Spirit of God. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you this morning? It's always been the Spirit that gives life, always. It's the source of your Christian life. If your source has changed in any way, if you've sought after other things to give meaning to your Christian life, then be careful you're not disconnecting from the source, the Spirit of God working in you. I want you to walk through these doors I want you to walk out of these doors. I want you to come in and sense and feel and know that the Spirit of God is in this place. Jesus went into a house of a man. And you know this is the house where it says that the friends brought their sick friend up onto the roof and they took the roof off and they lowered him down. But you should read what it says at the beginning of that verse, of that story. It says, Jesus went into a house and the scribes and the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were filling the house. There's no room for the sick man. But it says this, the teachers, the scribes, the Pharisees, the religious people were in the house and the spirit of the Lord was ready to heal. And none of them got it. But the man who hungered and thirst for what Jesus had. Remember the parable of that wise and the foolish builders. Are you building for your eternal things? Are you building things that will stand forever? I remember teaching on worship many, many years ago. 
just loving, loving this in Revelation. I'm probably going to take too long to find it, but if I do, great. It says, when they'd taken the scroll, it's, it's in Revelation 5, verse 8. When they'd taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. This is the scene in heaven. I want you to know something. What you and I experience down here in worship, it's, it's just like, in comparison to heaven, just listen to what happens in heaven. It says, the scroll is opened. The four, the four living creatures, the 24 elders, fall down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of the incense, which is the prayers of the saints. And they sing, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll, to open the seals. You were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and every tongue and every nation and have made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on the earth. This is a scene that's just captured their hearts. Jesus has opened the seal to say, this is what it's going to be in the end. And they are overwhelmed with it. And then this happens. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne the living creatures and elders, and the numbers of them were 10,000 times, 10,000 and thousands of thousands. Whoa! Can you imagine that worship meeting? Honestly, you're going to be in it? <laughs> you, could, you know, there's a day coming, you're going to go there and go, But here's my heart. I want that here. I want something to be said, something to be sung. And it captures the hearts of everyone. And they start singing. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and on the under the earth, such as are in the sea, and all of them, I heard them saying, what? All the animals? Everything under the earth, creatures of all kinds, started to sing. Behold, blessings and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever. Now, just for good measure, what happens next? Like they used to do in this, you see. You're not be able to get that verse up 14. <laughs> yep, okay. It says, then the four living creatures, this is how it began. Do you remember how this began? The four living creatures and the elders fell down and worshipped him. You know, that's how it began. Do you want to know how revival begins? When the elders fall down. When the spiritual hierarchies fall down and worship the lamb that was thrown. I'm going to play you this clip. I need to go and do it. So you can pause. Or, no, leave it, leave it, leave it. Put, okay. 
Yeah, so you just carry on watching the screens. It's not, it's not a very long